Good morning, Plum Creek. It is really good to have you with us today. Even on a rainy day, it is so good to get together and worship. And just to echo what Troy said, you know, having a special opportunity to worship together on Wednesday, uh, I was so thankful for that. That was a powerful night, uh, just being together in God's presence. And if you happen to miss that service, you're still invited to participate. Uh, Prayer and worship, that's not a special event. It's a way of life. And so we still have these prayer guides that we used on Wednesday. And this week, I'm encouraging everybody at Plum Creek to take these guides and and use that as our devotional time. Uh, Just take one page every day, and we're going to go back through and pray for children, for our country, uh, for our world. So if you did not get one of those books, you can pick one up on your way out today. If you're watching online, just shoot me an email, doug at plumcreek.org, and We'd be happy to get you a digital copy. That's no problem at all. Well, I'm excited to jump into this morning's sermon. Uh, Today we're wrapping up a four-week series called Count Me In. And each week during this series, we're looking at four different qualities that I believe God wants us to embrace as a church. And let's go back and do a quick review. In week one, the big idea was, I'm invited. God has invited all of us to be a part of his family. That's you and me and everybody else. In week two, we looked at the phrase, I'm intentional. In other words, I'm not just going to coast through life doing whatever. I'm going to be intentional about doing what God has created me to do. Then last week, we looked at the fact that if I am a follower of Jesus, I'm influential. You are an influencer. You are salt. You are light. And then finally, today... We're, we're going to focus on the statement, I'm invested. I'm investing my time and my focus, my resources, and my heart into eternal things. I'm investing in the pursuit of God and the pursuit of his kingdom. I've made Jesus my treasure. The idea for today's sermon is based on something that Jesus said in Matthew chapter 6, verse 21. I'm going to read this, and I know a lot of us have heard this before. In Matthew 6, 21, Jesus says, For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Now, this is a foundational truth. And I'm praying that we will all understand this truth in a deeper way before we leave today. So I want to go back and read this again. And this time, I want to ask you to read along with me out loud. Even if you're watching from home, let's all read together loud and proud. Ready? Here we go. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Now, I could hear you, but I think we could be a little stronger. All right? Let's give it one more try. Ready? For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. That's great. Nice job. So now we've all heard this verse. And the basic idea isn't that complicated, but this week, as I read what Jesus said, you know what really struck me? It occurred to me that Jesus could have put these words in a different order. He could have said, for where your heart is, there your treasure will be also. But he didn't say that. 
That would change the meaning. If you switch those two words, it implies that your heart is just floating through life. And over time, it it settles on certain things or certain people, and these are the things you treasure. But that's not what Jesus is saying here. Jesus is saying your treasure follows your heart. Now, uh, that may not seem like a big difference, but let's think about this. I want, I want to tell you about the couch in our living room at home. Uh, about a year ago, Hannah and I bought a new, a new couch. And it's kind of crazy, but in 14 years of marriage, this was the first real piece of furniture that we bought together. And this new couch replaced an old love seat. And that old love seat had been around a long time. Uh, the pillows and the cushions were lumpy and smushed. Uh, the kids kind of treated it like a makeshift trampoline. And uh, this, this love seat in general had seen better days. And, and you know what? When there was a little spill or a little damage on that love seat, it didn't bother me that much. A little, but not much. But now, like I said, as of a year ago, we have a new couch. We've made a financial investment in this couch. And man, things are different. Times have changed. The kids have been told in no uncertain terms, it's not okay to jump on this couch. And it's definitely not okay to eat on this couch. The bottom line is, we care about what happens to this couch. And what's the big difference? Well, the difference is this. That old love seat was not a treasure to me. I never really made an investment there. It just kind of showed up in our marriage. And this is the principle that Jesus is talking about here in Matthew 6.21. When you choose to make something your treasure, your heart will follow. In other words, you will care about what you invest in. When you've got some skin in the game, you get emotionally connected When you invest your money, your time, your energy, your heart inevitably gets involved. And that's true of earthly treasures like the couch in our living room. But it's also true of more significant treasures like your spouse if you're married. When I make it a habit to invest in my wife, she becomes more and more precious to me over time. So there's a key question we need to ask ourselves this morning. We need to look at our lives and ask, am I investing in what is truly valuable? Now, we're going to do our best to answer that question today. But before we come up with an answer, we need to be clear about something. When we use the word valuable here, what exactly are we talking about? How do we know when something has real or lasting value? Fortunately, Jesus explains this for us right here in Matthew chapter 6. Let's back up a couple verses and read again. This time we'll start with verse 19. Jesus says, Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth, where moths and vermin destroy, and where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where moths and vermin do not destroy, and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. So what's Jesus talking about here? He's saying, guys, a lot of you have been chasing the wrong thing. Stop chasing after earthly treasures. 
And, and why would Jesus say that? Well, the treasures in this world, they're all temporary. They, they don't satisfy you, really. But you can try to hoard them. Sooner or later, though, those things will all slip through your hands. And instead of running after treasures on earth, it's far better to store up treasures in heaven. It's far better to pursue those things that will matter throughout eternity. And intellectually, we get that. It makes all kinds of sense. Don't invest in things that have no lasting value. Invest in things that last forever. Yeah, I get it. But here's the problem. Many of us understand this on an intellectual level. Many of us believe that this is true, but we still fall into the same trap again and again. We'll run across something that promises to make us happy or significant or fulfilled, and then we just run after it. And every time, sooner or later, that pursuit leaves us disappointed. But do we learn our lesson? A lot of times, we don't. So, We need to find something else to chase. Jesus is speaking to us all through our lives. He's saying, I'm here. Stop chasing the wrong thing. I'm the one you want. And why in the world would we not listen to his voice? Why in the world would we keep chasing after temporary things again and again? Well, it's because we're human beings. And as humans, we don't see things very clearly. Our perspective is cloudy. We often place a high valuation on lesser things. And we place a low valuation on higher things. So let's take a minute to realign our perspective based on what Jesus said. We're going to look at three principles. And these principles may seem very basic, even elementary Uh, But we need to do this because we don't want to fall into that same trap again and again. So here we go. Principle number one. It's unwise to make a big investment in what is temporary. Now, we just read this, right? This is exactly what Jesus said in Matthew chapter 6. However, even if you never came across that passage, I would argue that there's something inside all of us that knows this principle to be true. Even if you have nothing to do with God right now, I believe you have still encountered this truth. Why? Because we've all experienced the futility of running after temporary things. And every now and then, if you listen to what's being said in our culture, you will occasionally hear statements that completely agree with Jesus. It's uh, kind of amazing and a little unexpected. I'll give you a few examples. Uh, A couple weeks ago, my family watched the live-action version of Aladdin. Uh, That's the one with Will Smith as the genie. And one of the lines in that movie really struck me. The genie is talking to Aladdin, and he's describing the guidelines for how to use your three wishes. And then, listen to this. The genie says, People usually wish for tons of money and power. Do me a favor. Do not drink from that cup. I promise you, there's not enough money and power on earth for you to be satisfied. Now, that's pretty cool, isn't it? The genie is preaching a mini-sermon here, and at this point, he's right on the same page with Jesus. 
Do not store up treasures on earth. Money, material things, power, those things will never satisfy you. You can never get enough, and those things never last. So don't make money your treasure. Don't make power your treasure. It's a bad investment. You know, Hollywood gets a lot wrong, but in this case, they got it right. I'll give you another example, and this one is about success and achievement. Success is another one of those temporary treasures. It's never going to satisfy, and it's never going to last. Ironically, we can learn this truth from Madonna, the singer. Now, if anyone could be called a success in their career, it would have to be Madonna. She has sold over 300 million records worldwide. She's been certified by Guinness World Records as the best-selling female recording artist of all time. But several years ago, she was interviewed by Vogue magazine. And here's what she said. She said, my drive in life comes from a fear of being mediocre. That is always pushing me. I push past one spell of it and discover myself as a special human being. But then I feel I am still mediocre and uninteresting unless I do something else. Because even though I have become somebody, I still have to prove that I am somebody. My struggle has never ended, and I guess it never will. So do you see it? When, when you make success your treasure, that's a terrible investment. Because from a long-term perspective, success never lasts. You might get to the top, but you can't stay at the top. And then even from a short-term perspective, as soon as you reach that pinnacle and everybody looks at you as a success, that, that feeling of significance, it disappears almost immediately. You've got to prove yourself all over again. This is the problem with all earthly treasures. They don't really satisfy you in the long term, and they don't even satisfy you in the short term, really. Madonna is exhibit A here. So don't base your life on success or achievement. I'll give you one more example where somebody in the culture agrees with what Jesus said. And this time, it's about happiness itself. A few years ago, there was an article in the New York Times called The Feudal Pursuit of Happiness. And in this article, they interviewed a guy named Daniel Gilbert, who's a professor of psychology at Harvard. And Dr. Gilbert specializes in the study of happiness, which actually sounds kind of fun. But through that study, Gilbert made some interesting discoveries. He said, most people try to find happiness by going after something they don't have. And then he explains it this way. The average person says, I know I'll be happier with a Porsche than a Chevy, or with Linda rather than Rosalind, or as a doctor rather than as a plumber. In other words, achieving that goal or acquiring that thing is the path to happiness. But here's what Gilbert's research revealed. Things that happen to you or that you buy or own, as much as you think they make a difference to your happiness, you're wrong by a certain amount. You're overestimating how much of a difference they make. And then Gilbert says, The Rolling Stones said you can't always get what you want. I don't think that's the problem. The problem is you can't always know what you want. And I think 
that is the real issue here. Because inside of us, there's a basic awareness that temporary things don't really satisfy and they don't last. But over and over again, we buy into the lie that we can find happiness or significance or fulfillment by chasing after temporary treasures. So we need to listen to Jesus and call out that lie every time we see it. And when you get tempted to place a high value on a temporary treasure, just stop and say, no, that's not what I really want. That's not going to last, and I will not make that my treasure. But we have to be careful here. If you remove one treasure, you have to replace it with another one because at any given time, we're always investing in something or someone. So according to Jesus, what should we invest in? Well, it's another one of those basic elementary principles. It's wise to invest in what's eternal. And like we said, this is common sense, right? Eternal things have more value than temporary things. But the trick is, how do we identify those eternal things? Well, the Apostle Paul gives a, a hint in one, of our, in one of my favorite verses in the Bible, 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 18. In that verse, Paul writes to the Christians in Corinth, and he says, So we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but on what is unseen, since what is seen is temporary and what is unseen is eternal. So that's a pretty good clue right there. If you can see it, it's not going to last. So your house, your stuff, the physical world, even your physical body, none of those things will last. You know, we still need to be a good steward of those temporary things. Uh, for example, when it comes to your physical body, it's a good thing to live a healthy lifestyle. At the end of the day, though, let's not pretend that this body is going to last forever. In my case, I'm already seeing signs that my body is starting to wear out. Maybe you've noticed that I hold my Bible a little closer to my eyes when I'm reading these days. But anyway, that's one rule of thumb. If you can see it, then it's not eternal. But what about the other side? Paul says, what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. Let's try to figure this out. What are the unseen things we should focus on? What is it that's invisible and eternal and worthy of our investment? Let's look at something else Jesus taught. In Matthew chapter 13, Jesus tells a series of parables, and they're all on a similar theme. Uh, I'll read you a short one. It's just one verse. Matthew 13, verse 44. Jesus says, The kingdom of heaven is like treasure hidden in a field. And when a man found it, he hid it again, and then in his joy went and sold all he had and bought that field. So there you go. We've hit on something specific to invest in. The kingdom of heaven, also known as the kingdom of God. And this kingdom is a treasure that will last. It's a treasure of great value. value. And how valuable is it? Well, this parable tells us that the man went and sold everything he had so he could buy that field and get that treasure. So the message is pretty clear. Whatever it takes to be a part of God's kingdom, it's worth it. 
But what exactly is God's kingdom? How would you define that? Well, here's a definition that I've used over the years. The kingdom of God is any place where God's rule has truly begun. And there are pockets in this world where that's already happening. But it's not going to be until eternity when this temporary world passes away that we'll see the kingdom of God in its fullest sense. And here's the big deal about God's kingdom. When he's in charge, completely in charge, every wrong is made right. Sin and evil and pain and death are all eliminated. Lying, cheating, stealing, lust, murder, all of those things are gone. They're going to be eradicated by a holy and just God who will not stand for them. And you know what that means, right? If all sin and evil is eliminated, that means the consequences of sin and evil will be eliminated. Those consequences would include things like that feeling you get when somebody has betrayed you. The consequences would include things like horrific shame, starving children, lonely tears. All those things are the result of sin. And when God's rule, when God's kingdom is in full effect, all of that evil goes away. Now that may sound like a good thing, and it is a good thing, but from a human perspective, there's a problem because each one of us has participated in that sin and evil, so none of us deserve to be a part of God's kingdom. We've all chosen to rebel against God's rule. But that's where Jesus comes in. Even though we sinned, God still loved us. And Jesus came into this world and he went to the cross to pay the penalty of death that we deserve to pay. And when you have made Jesus your Lord and your King and your Savior, then you are a citizen in God's kingdom. And from this point on, God wants you to invest in his kingdom. The work of God's kingdom includes learning to live and to love like Jesus. It includes showing compassion to people in need and sharing the gospel with everyone who needs to know Jesus. Pursuing the work of God's kingdom is demanding. And there's always sacrifice involved. But this is what it means to store up treasures in heaven. When you invest in God's kingdom, you are pursuing what's eternal. And that investment is always worth it. So we've looked at two very basic principles. Number one, it's unwise to invest in what's temporary. And number two, it's wise to invest in what's eternal. But I said there were three principles, and this third one is crucial. Principle number three is the simple fact that we get to choose how we will invest our lives. A few years ago, I saw a study that said the average adult makes thousands of decisions every single day. And some of those decisions are very small, like the choice to change lanes when you're you're driving. And some of those decisions are just matters of opinion, like the choice between owning a dog or owning a cat. Um, And in fact, I'm curious about that one. Let's do a quick poll. By a show of hands, how many of you would rather own a dog than a cat? That's a pretty good group. 
Yeah, okay, put your hands down. Let's look at the other side. How many of you would rather own a cat than a dog? Looks like we have more dog lovers in the room. Uh, But, you know, just so you know, uh, there was no wrong answer to that question as long as you chose a dog. Uh, But lots of choices in life are like that. They're just matters of opinion. And in those cases, what you decide is really not a big deal. But some of the choices we make in life are huge. And they have huge consequences. And what we're talking about today, it's one of those decisions. Major consequences. You don't want to just flip a coin or go with your personal preference here. You want to make the right call. So again, let's go back to that question from earlier. Look at your life and ask yourself, am I investing in what is truly valuable? And if you're not quite sure how to answer that question, Check your heart. What do you really care about on a daily basis? Are you more emotionally connected to treasures on earth or treasures in heaven? The category you care about is the one you're currently investing in right now. And the great thing is, we all have a choice here. We're not helpless. You don't have to throw up your hands and say, well, my heart just happened to settle on these things and these people, so I guess that's my treasure. No, right here and right now, while you're thinking clearly, you can say, I will choose to value eternal things. I will invest in those things, and I know that my heart will follow. You know, there's a great example in the Bible of a group of people who chose to invest in the kingdom of God. Right after the church began, the earliest Christians gathered in a community that was laser-focused on pursuing what's eternal. Uh, They could have cared less about earthly treasure. Check out this passage from Acts chapter 2, starting with verse 42. These early Christians devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. And every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. You know, I come back to this passage again and again because it's so inspiring to me. These people really understood what life is about. They they saw things from an eternal perspective. And they made it a priority to invest in God's kingdom. And all along the way, they fulfilled what Jesus said in Matthew 6, 21. Remember that? For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. You will care about what you invest in. And did you see that happen here in Acts chapter 2? What did we read? It said they devoted themselves. They made a conscious decision to treasure God and to treasure the kingdom of God. And what was the result? Well, their hearts followed their treasure, right? This community was full of gladness and fellowship and the joy of just seeing God at work all around them. They invested in heavenly treasure and then they grew in their love for God. 
and their love for each other. So it's true. Your heart follows your treasure. On a very small scale, I experienced this on Wednesday night with our church family. On that night, we took about an hour and a half, and we devoted that time to God. We made Him our treasure. And in my case, at least, my heart followed. Something stirred inside of me. I grew in my love for God and in my love for my church. So it really works. I mean, it should be no surprise, but it does work. You care more about what you invest in. So one more time, I encourage you to ask that question. Am I investing in what is truly valuable? If you're like me, there's a part of you, a large part, that wants to invest in heavenly treasure. But there's also a part that still wants to invest in earthly treasure, too. Let's look at the big picture, though. A hundred years from now, in the year 2121, what's really going to matter? Well, I'll tell you, a hundred years from now, what's going to matter will not be your accolades or your awards, not your 401k, not your reputation or your image, not the pile of material things you've accumulated. A hundred years from now, the only thing that will matter is your relationship with Jesus and your place in God's kingdom. So from this point on, there's only one kind of life that makes sense. The only thing that makes sense is to invest your life in the pursuit of God and the pursuit of his kingdom. So what does that look like for you? Well, there's always a next step to take to become more invested in God's kingdom. As I close here, I'll give you just a few ideas. First, you can become more invested by making a commitment to follow Jesus. I am confident that somebody listening to me right now needs to make this decision. And I want to ask you, why wait? This life is temporary. It's going to pass by so quickly. And believe me when I say, you do not want to leave this life without knowing the forgiveness and the salvation that only comes from Jesus. Here's a second step you might take. You can become more invested by committing to membership at Plum Creek. Look back at the early Christians in Acts chapter 2. They weren't casual about their connection to the church. They were intentional. They were committed. And that's really what it means to be a member of our church. It's about commitment. It's dropping anchor and making this your home and your family. Here's a third step you could take. You could become more invested by setting aside more time in worship and prayer and scripture. If your relationship with God seems stale, make him your treasure and then your heart will follow. We normally have a scripture reading plan in the bulletin every Sunday, but this week we're going to walk through that prayer guide from last Wednesday. Like I said, we're going to take one page every day, and then we'll look through scripture. That, that guide will lead us in prayer. And that's personal between you and God, but it's also a good thing to set aside time to do these things in a group you know, a, a small group like the huddles that we have right now at Plum Creek. Next week, we're starting a new series. It's called Love First. 
And this would be a great time. If you're not in a huddle right now, you could form one. Just get a couple friends together. Or in your home, the people you live with could be your huddle. And we've got discussion guides for the next series today uh, for your huddles. You can pick those up on your way out this morning. But I've got one last idea for a step you could take. You could become more invested by increasing your level of serving or giving in the work of God's kingdom. Wherever you are today, you can jump to the next level of serving or giving and then see where God takes you from there. Well, we've come to the end of this series, and for the last month, I've been praying that all of us would get to this point and say, yes, God, count me in. I'm ready to follow where where you lead. I'm ready to be who you want me to be because I know I'm invited and I'm intentional. I'm influential and I'm invested. So are you in? Let's pray. Father, uh, we praise you and thank you for being a God who is above us. You see things clearly when we don't. We can get fooled into thinking that temporary things will satisfy, that they'll last longer than they actually last. But Lord, could you clear up our perspective, help us to see things more the way you do from the perspective of eternity. And Lord, help us to make you our treasure, make your kingdom our treasure so that we can follow where you lead be who you want us to be, and do what you want us to do. I pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.